0: You are listening to a message from SoundWords. To find information about our ministry, please visit our website at soundwords.org. You can also download our free app from iTunes or Google Play to access more great sermons. We're going to Ephesians chapter 5 in your Bibles. Ephesians and the 5th chapter. And we are ready to break into the middle of this chapter at verse 15. You'll note it begins with, therefore be careful how you walk. And this is the fifth and last time Paul uses that expression in the second half of this letter. First half of the letter, chapters 1, 2, and 3 were primarily the doctrinal foundation. Chapters 4, 5, and 6, the application of the doctrine. You cannot separate the two. There's certain churches that they emphasize on just talking about how you ought to live. There are other churches that may focus more on just what you should believe. But the two are inseparably joined together. You don't really understand and haven't put your faith in a saving way. In the God of the scriptures, Jesus Christ, if you haven't believed the doctrine. And you haven't really believed the doctrine if you haven't put it into practice. And the two are inseparably joined together. Beginning in chapter 4, Paul used the expression repeatedly through this closing section up to where we are today. Therefore, walk. Therefore, walk. He began in chapter 4, verse 1, with the first word in your New American Standard Bible, therefore. Then in the middle of the verse, walk. In a manner worthy. Therefore, walk. Down in verse 17. We don't have it in the New American Standard, but that word translated so is the same word translated therefore, and that's the way it's usually translated Therefore, so verse 17, therefore, and then the middle of the verse, walk. No longer according to the way you used to walk. Then you come over to chapter 5 and verse 1. It begins, therefore, and verse 2, walk. Therefore, walk. Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ loved you. Then down in verses 7 and 8, verse 7, therefore, verse 8, the end of the verse, walk as children of light, therefore, walk, therefore, walk, continually building on what he said in the first three chapters and then progressively adding to what he has said with the way that we live in light of what God has done for us in Christ. Then in verse 15 of chapter 5, therefore, be careful how you walk. Therefore, walk. Watchfully, carefully, walk. So that repeated emphasis in the last three chapters and that last statement that we look at in chapter 5, verse 15, therefore, be careful how you walk. We'll continue all the way down through verse 9 of chapter 6. We'll notice how that builds to that climax shortly. There are three contrasts that we're going to look at in verses 15 to 21 of chapter 5. The three contrasts come out in verse 15, verse 17, and verse 18. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And we'll have three times that expression in these three verses, verse 15, verse 17, and verse 18. Not, but, not, but. Not as unwise, but as wise. Verse 17, do not be foolish, not foolish, but Understand, not but, verse 18, do not get drunk with wine. Not drunk, but filled. Not drunk, but filled. So that not but, not but, not but really is the controlling three areas of this section we're going to look at together this morning. Verses 18, 19, 20, 21 they're going to be all one sentence so that we'll all and really carries down through chapter 6 verse 9 what we're talking about be careful how you walk in verse 15 and another way to say that is be filled with the spirit so when you're walking as God would have you walk you're walking under the control and direction of the spirit of God who now indwells every believer. We'll say more about that as we get a little further along as well. We pick up with verse 15. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. So watch, look carefully at your walk. You are to walk not as the unwise but as the wise. Very simple expression because it really encompasses the scripture from the Old Testament through the New Testament. Those who have placed their faith in Christ have been made new by him. As we saw back in chapter 4, verse 22, you lay aside the old man Verse 24, you put on the new man. And in verse 23, those two verses we just read are aorist tense. They're a past tense. And then verse 23, in the middle, be renewed. Be constantly being renewed, a present tense in the spirit of your mind. So he's continuing that theme when he says, be careful how you walk. Watch out about how you conduct yourself. The behavior now is different than it was before we placed our faith in Christ. Back in chapter 2, verse 1, you were dead in your transgressions, your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's not working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formally lived. So again, that expression, you walk, you live, the life you now live is different than the life you lived before you were saved. We all formally lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and the mind, were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God and his intervention, the provision of Christ, His death on the cross, our faith in him alone, and his death as payment for our sin has transformed us and made us new on the inside. So now we don't live as we formerly lived. We live a new life. We conduct ourselves in a new way. And that walk is a way of expressing that. Down in verse 10 of chapter 2, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. So we're going to walk, conduct ourselves in a new way, in a new life. That's been the subject of chapters 4, 5, and we'll be through chapter 6, verse 9. The new life we're living, the new walk we're walking. It's motivated from within. It's driven by the Spirit controlling us now. We were in control before, as chapter 2 put it, under the direction and ultimate control of the devil, because we were his child. Now we're God's child. So be careful. Watch closely how carefully you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Let's go back to the Old Testament. And look at a number of passages and that'll sort of set the framework for the rest of what we're going to look at in our study this morning. Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. And I've basically picked out two separate sections in Old Testament books, Proverbs and Jeremiah, and then one in the New Testament. Proverbs chapter 1. And look at verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the follow-up of that is, my son, verse ten: If sinners entice you, do not consent. Verse fifteen: My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your feet from their path. So you see, this idea that comes up in Ephesians is not new information. But now it is focused in on the salvation God provided in Christ. The new life that is found in him. And the new walk that is to characterize us. The new conduct. The walk takes in the life we now live. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom instructions. You have that contrast going on. The wise and the un. Wise. We are to walk, Ephesians 5.15 says, not as the unwise, but as the wise. The fools despise wisdom instruction. We take in the truth of God. Look in chapter 2 of Proverbs, verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth, knowledge and understanding come. So that's where you get true Wisdom true knowledge for living your life in a real way according to factual knowledge. Look in chapter 3 of Proverbs verse 5 Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight that sovereign control of God now that we belong to him it all goes back to that relationship that was established when you placed your faith in him and him alone now I'm going to live a new life a new way well some things won't change I still eat breakfast lunch dinner and snack in between just life but the moral Of my life the morality or lack of it is totally different i am now living under the control of god i trust him verse 6 of proverbs 3 says in all your ways acknowledge him he will make your path straight he will guide you in the way you should go one more verse in proverbs proverbs chapter 9 Then verse 10, take my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than the choicest gold for wisdom is better than jewels and all desirable things cannot compare with her. The wisdom that comes from God, the knowledge I have of him now, I start out the moment I was born again into his family, I became a new person, a new man, a new creation and now I'm going to live out. And that is a growing thing. I still haven't arrived at perfection that will come when we're called into his presence. But every day is a growing day. And it all comes from getting my wisdom from him, from his word, which is his instruction for me. Come over to Jeremiah. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. After you get through the large book of Psalms, then you'll hit Isaiah, basically just going to large, large books. Then Jeremiah after Isaiah. If you get to Ezekiel, you're too far. Jeremiah chapter eight. And just look at the last two lines of verse nine. Behold, they have rejected the word of the Lord and what kind of wisdom do they have? They can be very smart, very intelligent, but not have the wisdom of how you put that all together and live a life that is pleasing, honoring to God, and fulfilling for yourself. That's where we have to be careful. The world has a certain wisdom or knowledge or insight, but putting that together in such a way that enables them to live in obedience to God escapes them. So what kind of true wisdom do they have? They may have knowledge about certain factual things, but then putting that together with the way now I live in obedience to the God who sovereignly brought it all about. In Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23, Thus says the Lord, this is the sovereign God who created us, who created all things. He says, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me. That's foundational to everything. No matter how much you know, how much information you can process, if you don't know the true and living God. You really don't have the ability to live a life that is fulfilling, that is satisfying, that is realizing the purpose God created you for. Verse 24, let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. Now it's not the world in which we live. But it's the world in which we are to live pleasing to God. So there's the world in which we are placed. But that's not the world that controls our thinking. That controls the way we live. It's the new life. That we have. By faith in Jesus Christ. And his death on the cross come to the new testament the first corinthians chapter 1 first corinthians chapter 1 we're going to look at verse 19 verse 19 for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing it's the foundational issue how are you saved have you been saved the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. And through the cross, we have, and he quotes here from uh, the book of Isaiah, chapter 29. It is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. It's God's wisdom. Until we have that, you can attend this church. I'm going to add biblical knowledge to my worldly knowledge. And then I'll be what? A fool. As the Bible says. Because until you really placed your faith in what God has provided for your salvation, verse 18 of chapter 1, the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. To us who are being saved, it is the power of God. That's the beginning point. That is the foundational issue understanding here's what God says is necessary to bring me into right relationship with him and thus ultimately into right relationship with his creation he is the creator chapter 2 of first Corinthians verse 14 a natural man a soulish man a man who does not have the spirit of God now residing in him The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised, discerned, examined. But he who is spiritual appraises all things. So you see the distinction and the contrast which brings a conflict between the true believer and the child who just maybe knows a lot about the Bible, but has never placed his faith in the Savior that the Bible presents that God has provided And his death on the cross. That changes everything. And until you have that change, you are a fool. Oh, yeah, but look at all the smart people. Look at all the people who really, really grasp this stuff. Yes, look at them. The Bible says that the man without the spirit of God, the natural man, verse 14 of chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, does not accept the things of the spirit of God. That's the foundational issue. Are you just a natural person or are you a person who now has the life of God in you? in The person of the spirit of God. Chapter 3, verse 18. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. For it is written, he is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the reasoning of the wise that they are useless. To let no one boast in men. That doesn't mean that there isn't benefits in knowing and learning. But until you have settled the basic issue of your relationship with the God who is the creator of all things, you're just out here grabbing at straws, supposedly putting your world together. But in reality, it's just disintegrating all around you. We have more knowledge now than we've ever had. And we can split the atom and do all kind of wonderful, marvelous things. But if you don't know the God of the Bible, you haven't placed your faith in the Savior He has provided, you really know nothing. And you just have a short lived understanding of basic things that God who's created, but you don't understand why. You don't understand what the problem is. You don't understand what the solution is. So come back with that as an introduction. Verse 15, we're to be careful. Watch, look, how you walk. Walk carefully. And they have These words here, three words, to watch, to look, and then to be careful, and then Walk. So you are paying attention, not as unwise, but as wise. So we went back and see the Old Testament, the New Testament are the same. It begins with the knowledge of God. If you don't know God, it doesn't matter what your intellect is, how much you have in smarts. If you don't know God, you're not wise. So we want to be careful how we walk. This is talking about the behavior of believers. Are we walking as the wise or the unwise? Then verse 16, making the most of your time because the days are evil. And as you have in the margin of your Bible, if you're using New American Standard, by verse 16, you have a number one in front of the word making, literally redeeming the time. And I wish they had translated that way because it is the word redemption to purchase out of your state, redeeming the time. We're now to walk as those who have understood that Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. I place my faith in him. Now the spirit of God takes you. And according to chapter 4, verse 21, if you've been taught in him and have been Just as truth is in Jesus that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, you're renewed in the spirit of your mind and you put on the new band, the new self. That's the picture that we have in chapter 5. We're now been redeemed. The price has been paid. So we want to make the most of the time. We want to redeem the time. We think of redemption, oh, it's just... God washes away my sin. I'm cleansed before him. I'm accepted in him. I'm his child. Now I get on with my life. Not the old life. I get on with the new life. And I am redeeming the time because the days are evil. Uh, we live in the days which we lived in before. But we live in those old days as a new person. So we are to be redeeming the time, buying up the time, using it now as God would have it used, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Look over in chapter 6 of Ephesians. We'll get here if the Lord doesn't come. Verse 13, therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist In the evil day, and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore. I mean, you're a new person in Christ. You're to live a new life. You are new on the inside. Now you process things differently. We have different minds. Some people have a mind for this kind of information. Some people have a mind for that. That's fine. But now I see everything through the light of what God is doing and has done. Before man, no matter how smart he is, and there are many smart people in the world, many have made huge fortunes. They have great impact on how people think. But they're not wise. They don't know the God of the Bible. They don't put things together together from the basis of God is sovereignly at work. He has worked in my life, and that's the beginning. He has worked in my life to make me new. I'm now a new man, a new person, a new creature. The old things are gone, the new things have come. So I have to watch. Walk carefully. Not as unwise men, but as wise. Well, the world says they're wise. Yes, but they don't understand. We're back again to that distinction. Come back to Galatians. Just before Ephesians is the book of Galatians, chapter 1. And we're going to look at verse 4. Verse 3 gives the sentence, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that's Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever. You see, this is where it starts. He gave himself to rescue us from this present evil age. And this present evil age, this period of time, is filled with evil days as we're talking about In Ephesians, and every day is an evil day. And it's influenced by evil people who are under the control of the evil forces, spirit forces behind them. But Christ gave himself for us that he might rescue us from this present evil age. And all that goes on day by day in it come over to colossians chapter 4 ephesians philippians colossians the three of the four prison epistles of paul letters that paul wrote while he was in prison in rome at the end of the book of acts he will be released and then short time later rearrested and executed but colossians chapter 4 verse 5 Conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders. Walk, literally, as you have in the margin of your Bible. Now, if you're using a New American Standard, you have a little number one in front of the conduct. You go over and look at number four in the margin, and it's walk. Walk yourself with wisdom toward outsiders, And then you literally have the same expression we have in Ephesians, redeeming the time. So that walk is not like outsiders, but it's a walk with wisdom toward the outsiders. That doesn't mean I don't learn. Yeah, I eat foods and it's prepared by, take it, mainly unbelievers. And do, you know, we do all kinds of things, but we want to be careful that that doesn't begin to shape our thinking. In ways that cause us to be unbiblical. I'm impressed again as I work in Ephesians. And read some of the writings. And I said are these written by unbelievers? They end up twisting the scripture. To make it say what will fit with the wisdom of the day. Instead of the wisdom of God. That is in conflict with the wisdom of the day. So. Conduct yourselves. Walk with wisdom toward outsiders, redeeming the time. Again, that distinction is clearly made. You're in Ephesians. You went to Colossians. Do Philippians. Philippians is between Ephesians and Colossians. Go to Philippians chapter 1. Paul's in prison when he writes this letter to the Ephesians. He's really smart. Look where he's ended up. He was a rising star in Judaism. He was going places in the world. Now he's in prison. But verse 12 of chapter 1 of Philippians. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Oh, Wait a minute. You've gone from being somebody in this world with recognition, with influence, To being a prisoner in Rome. And you're saying that it's turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. So that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole of Praetorian Guard and everyone else. And that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. So Paul, humanly speaking, with human wisdom, went down. But he says, boy, I couldn't be in any better place. I'm now a prisoner in Rome. None have freedom to come and go. But, you know, it has had an impact. God is using it. You see, you see your situation differently than you did before you were a believer. And you say, well, I trusted Christ and now my world's come apart. Well, that's good. What do you mean it's good? It's not good. Well, is God in charge? Well, yes. Well, then he must have a purpose in Paul being in prison. So Paul's looking at it from that standpoint. Now, verse 15, to be sure, some are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love. They know I'm appointed. The former proclaim it out of selfish ambition. All I'm concerned about right now is that Christ gets proclaimed. It's not all about me. You see, the change in his focus and how he looks at the world around him and the days in which he is living out his life have changed. Obviously, he's gone from being somebody in the world that was important, and in his world, he had recognition and esteem. Now he's in prison. But my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. 2,000 years since Paul's died it does matter whether he died a Roman prisoner or he had died of old age. But it matters whether he served God faithfully. That's the, that's the truth of it. So now my thinking and the focus of my thinking changes. My life may seem to be going downhill, but God, you're in control here. Now be careful. Sometimes our life goes downhill, even as believers, because we do what we shouldn't do. We're talking about doing what God says we should do and living our life walking, being controlled by the spirit that we're going to get to. So Paul could say, I'm a prisoner. So I've gone from being somebody in Judaism to now being a prisoner locked up in Rome but boy, it's just given an opportunity for presenting the gospel where I wouldn't have had opportunity before. Oh. And this has impacted people, but I realize, again, people divide into two camps and some people jump on the bandwagon because they see this is an opportunity to promote themselves. I don't care. As long as Christ is getting presented, I'll let God handle that. Come back to Ephesians chapter five. Making the most of the time because the days are evil. The days haven't changed. Paul's in prison. 2,000 years have passed, and we see our country going away we wish it wouldn't go. We look at the world around us, and we say, oh, boy. Well, it's going exactly as God said. We're going toward the book of Revelation, remember. Remember. Oh, no, be careful I don't get so caught up and think, whoa, boy, I don't know. I tried my best, and I did everything. Well, be like Paul. Say, well, then I have to look at this from God's perspective. This is his plan. This is working out great. People are more committed, and they're presenting the truth of the gospel. Now, some are doing it because they want to make my life more difficult. Who cares? Long as Christ is being presented. That kind of change of perspective means everything. So then, verse 17. And verse 17 is the second. We had the first not, but. In verse 15, not as unwise, but as wise. Now verse 17, do not be foolish, but understand. Not foolish, but understanding. Not foolish, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be foolish is really the translation of the word to become. Ganesta. Some of you are using a Greek translation. It's not be, the word to be, it's the word to become. So he says, do not become foolish. But understand what the will of the Lord is We want to be careful here So that's why we spent some time Looking at these other scriptures We don't want to become foolish And the pressure of the world is there And it is relentless It is ongoing Because every day you get up You turn on the news You go through your activity It's just like it's constantly trying to press you into its mold But you're constantly going a different direction You have a different perspective. Your life is controlled by a different person. Not the person of the devil and his emissaries, but the very person of God, the Holy Spirit, who indwells you. So naturally, things are going to be different. Don't be foolish. Don't become foolish. So a word of warning here. Don't become foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is. We want to know and understand God's will, God's purpose. What is God doing? That's why we study his word. That's why we started in Ephesians chapter one and went through because those first three chapters laid the doctrinal foundation, which is essential for us to know how we are to live. Some people try to live their lives in general conformity. They may be committed Protestants, committed Roman Catholics. Oh, no, wait, we have to start at the beginning. Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. He was raised from the dead. He's seated at his right hand. Now, I place my faith in him and his finished work on the cross and the testimony that he is alive because that work is sufficient and adequate to cleanse me or not well I just want to live a good life well that won't get you to heaven it won't even get you started that's where the Jews were well we're just going to live our lives according to the law of Moses and that makes us better than everyone else and that's where we end up with Protestants Catholics so don't become foolish understand what the will of the Lord is. Then he goes on to explain this, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. He brings these two conflicting motivations before us. Those who get drunk with wine are controlled by the wine, but those who are walking by the Spirit are filled with the Spirit. So, verse 15, be careful how you walk, and verse 18, the last statement, be filled with the Spirit, are saying the same thing. The walk of the believer is to be a walk under the control of the Spirit of God. Verses 18 to 21, as I mentioned, are one long sentence. Let me mention the, you have the command here, be filled with the Spirit, at the end of verse 18, and then you have five participles. In English, our participles are I-N-G words usually, the end in I-N-G. So, for example, you're be filled with the Spirit. That is a command, present tense command, present imperative. That's a command. Then you have the participles, speaking. That's one of the evidences. Speaking to one another in Psalms, hymns, and songs. So speaking is the first participle. Singing. Is one of the evidences. You're filled with the spirit. Making. Is a third. Of those participles. In verse 20. Giving. Is the fourth participle. And then for some reason in verse 21. Our new American standard Bibles. Quit making them. Parallel. But it's literally. Subjecting. Yourselves. So. So. We have, and be subject, but as you have in the margin, verse 21, being subject to one another. Those five participles explain what it means to be filled with the Spirit, which is another way of talking about verse 15, being careful how you walk, watching that you walk carefully. Your walk, your day-by-day pattern of living is under the control of the Spirit of God. You're filled with the Spirit. And there's two commands in that verse 18, do not get drunk with wine. And that was a common beverage at the time, and perhaps more common than today. But believers came out of the background. The Bible doesn't say that you can't drink wine. It does say you can't be drunk with wine. If you want to find the argument on the other side, you can read MacArthur. He's got a whole sermon he gave on just do not get drunk with wine. You can find the other side. But basically, you could say that about any sin, that we are not to indulge it. And indulging is a problem. It's the same with food generally. We oughtn't to be living our life for what we'll eat next. So do not get drunk with wine. That is dissipation. That is dissipation. And you come under the control of the wine. Come back just to Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23. I've just uh, taken verses from Proverbs, a number of these because it's easy to get to. And in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 29, who has woe, who has sorrow, who has contentions, who has complaining, who has wounds without cause, who has redness of the eyes, those who linger long over wine, those who go to taste mixed wine. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly, and the last it bites like a serpent, stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things. Your mind will utter perverse things. You will be like the one who lies in the middle of the sea or the one who lies on the top of the mast. They struck me, but I didn't become ill. They beat me, but I didn't know it. When shall I wake? I'll seek another drink. That's the person who's controlled by his drink. Whether you have a glass of wine periodically or not is up for you to decide. If you decide that you think the Lord doesn't want you to have it, don't have it. But the point is, being drunk with wine here is the contrast to being filled with the Spirit. You're under the control. It motivates you. It moves you. Do not get drunk with wine. Didn't say don't drink any. Don't have a little bit of wine with your meal. Now, I'm not promoting it either. I personally don't, but somebody else does. That's fine. I don't see it one way or the other. All right, let's get on here to fill with the Spirit <laughs> before I get into trouble. Be filled with the Spirit. Be controlled with the Spirit. That's where our control is, and that is the overriding control of everything in my life. I could have a bowl of cold cereal in the morning like I did this morning. Fine. Fine. Was that prepared and made by a believer or an unbeliever? I don't know. Probably unbelievers were involved in making it I, just because believers are smaller in number. But that's fine. But the controlling factor of wine is the illustration here. Be filled with the Spirit. Be under his control. Walk as he directs you to walk. That's the point of, that he wants to make here. Come over to Galatians. Just before Ephesians, the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sends this desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are in opposition to one another. But if you are led by the Spirit, so being led by the Spirit is the same thing as walking by the Spirit. It's the same thing as being filled with the Spirit. The control, so these different and he goes on, the, the flesh are evident, and the deeds are the fruit of the Spirit, what he produces in the life, are evident. Verse 24, now those who have belonged to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. So these things all become intertwined. That's why it's important that we start at uh, Ephesians 1.1 1, 1 and work through the book. Because they are intertwined. And that death of Christ on our behalf that was back in Ephesians chapter two. has made us alive together with Christ and given us new life. And now we are to live differently. And you can't say you belong to the Lord and you're living differently. That's a lie. And you need to find out and better be sure. That doesn't mean believers don't stumble. Believers don't sin. They do. But believers don't live in that realm. They don't walk in that realm. That's not where they conduct their lives. It's different. Well, I try to live a good life. I try to be a moral person. I try. No, 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 no. We have to go back to the beginning. You have to see yourself as God says you are. And cast yourself on his mercy in faith, trusting in Christ. And then you go on. Come back to Romans. It's just after Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 8. And look at verse 4. And this is, that we're not under the law. So the Jews thought, yes, I don't live like the Gentile lives. I keep the law of God. I wouldn't commit immorality. I wouldn't. It's missing the point. The average uh, religious person today is missing the point. So the requirement of the law might be met in us, verse 4 who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. Those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. The mind set on the flesh is death. The mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. The mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God. Verse 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to him. You see how Black and white it is. We want to continue make this gray area. You think you're in a gray area. You're probably Not saved Oh, I know I'm saved. I trusted Christ years ago. I just haven't been living for him The Bible doesn't know of such a person It warns us And there are passages that deal with, but primarily it's dealing with the black and white issue. And if you're living in the flesh and pursuing the flesh, what makes you think you belong to God? Oh, I trusted him. Well, if you trusted him, his spirit dwells in you. If his spirit dwells in you, his spirit is fighting to control you. So there may be a battle going on, and there'll be times you may fall on your face and disobey him, but you can't live there. You cannot live there. And we find that with our kids. We raise our kids. we like them to trust Christ and get on, but they may not. They may not. I can't make them. And if they don't, I'll continue to pray for them. I'll continue to testify to them, but I can't make them. So come back to Ephesians. Be filled with the Spirit. And now the rest of down through, really, chapter 6, verse 9, here's what it is to be controlled by the Spirit of God. First, the general things, and then specifics. Wives, husbands, children, parents, slaves, master. It gets down to where we live. And you're either living according to the Scripture or you're not. And if you're not, then you're lying when you say, I trust the Lord. I trust the Lord, I'm just not living for him. Well, it would really bother you if you weren't living for him. So be filled with the Spirit. Let me go through this, and then if we have time, which we won't, so I'll do it next time, walk through the things that the Spirit does, the ribs, R-I-B-S, that happen the moment we're saved, and then what doesn't happen the moment we're saved. But speaking the truth, so speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual song, that's one of the evidence. You know, people think, well, I, I come to church, but I don't come in until the singing's over because I don't really enjoy the singing. Well, that's a sign that we're filled with the Spirit because that's one of the ways we minister to one another. We're speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's just not something we decide Well, I'll do that because I like uh, or I don't like the singing. It's presented to God, but it's presented to one another and to God. So we're speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And we won't go take the time to look at different, but the psalms we know. And we sing the psalms, but there are hymns. And they're spiritual songs. They had them in Paul's day. We have them today. We sang them. Some may become more from a certain scriptures. Some are based on the scripture. It's important that they all be presenting biblical truth. And I appreciate that about our music here. You may say, well, I like this kind of music or that kind of music, but it all is, number one, biblical in its content. Then two are put together, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. This comes out of the heart. It just grips you. Singing, making melody, singing and making go together. But they're two separate participles, so we've listed them separately. Singing, making melody with your heart to the Lord. That's where it begins. It doesn't come from a heart. There are many people singing out of a hymn book and singing a song but it's not coming from a heart that's been transformed and changed so it is repulsive and rejected by God because he only accepts worship that's done on his terms not on our terms so coming and singing the songs doesn't make it oh there I I sing the song it's with your heart to the Lord and then verse 20 always always Giving thanks for all things. Always for all things we're giving thanks. That's Paul. He's in prison. We read that in Philippians chapter 1. Same imprisonment he's in when he writes Ephesians. And he writes about always giving thanks for all things. Oh, pray for me. I just can't take this imprisonment and this confining and not being able to go. And there's so many things I should be doing. No, I should be doing what God has appointed for me to do. And right now, it's to be a prisoner in Rome. So I sifted through that. Now, when he's free and can be free, he's free. But there are certain things that will work against us. And some of it because of our testimony. We're always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father. We've had the Spirit. The son, the father in this passage, they all working together. And the worst of times, I can give thanks to God. That may be where I need to start. Lord, I thank you for bringing me into a place where there's a hospital that can provide for me and make decisions that need to be made. And I'm just thankful I'm in your hands for this. That's it. It's always in all things. You ought to underline that. Always in all things. Always for all things. Giving thanks. And It's not, well, you know, I, well, there's some Christians who, at least professing Christians, and they think their gift is complaining. Well, I just don't think so. It says when you're controlled by the Spirit, when you walk, as God would have you walk filled with the Spirit under his control, you give thanks for all things in the name. So Paul gave thanks for his imprisonment. And boy, I think I have opportunity here I didn't have otherwise to present the gospel to people I wouldn't have otherwise to present. And it's encouraged others who aren't in prison to be more bold with their, there's just all kinds of good things going on. Or you could look at it, Paul isn't free to go about any longer. He's writing a letter because he can't go and visit these people anymore. And he can't get away from that Roman guard and he's not the most delightful person. Always giving thanks for all things. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. I recognize my God is sovereign. Sometimes we as believers, we're not careful. We deny what we are professing. Oh, yes, I believe God is sovereign. He works all things according to his purpose, his plan. And I just don't understand why this happened and blah, blah, blah. Wait a minute. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father. I take it would bring uh, them together here, a reminder. When Christ went to the cross, that wasn't the end of things. We're thankful for it. We sing praises to him for going to the cross. It was a terrible thing for the unbeliever to do, but it was a necessary thing for him to do. And we're being subject to one another in the fear of Christ. And we're going to stop there because... That really transitions being subject, and then you'll note verse 22. You don't have a verb there. You have it inserted in your English New American Standard Bible. But it's wives to your own husbands, and then you'll talk about children in chapter 6, verse 1, obey your parents, then slaves in verse 5 to be obedient. So he'll start out, then he'll also bring in the others that you're to be obedient to. But each stand on their own. And that's important as we work through this. Each stand on their own. The wives are to be submissive to their husbands, period. The husbands are to love their wives, period. Children are to obey their parents, period. And it goes on. So we will pick up at that point. A good time to start. Evaluate yourself. And Lord, first, do I really know you? Or do I just? put on this veneer and come to church and I go to a church that teaches the Bible because that makes me even look better am I really living this out? Do I have a desire? Am I willing to change where I need to change? To make adjustments where yeah the word is clear here. The spirit has made things clear to me that I need to adjust in my life. That's the attitude we bring so that our walk is more and more conformed to the character of the one who loved us and He died for us. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for the riches of your word. Thank you for its sufficiency, its adequacy. Thank you, Lord, that through simple faith in Jesus Christ, your son who loved us and died for us, we have new life. And now we can live differently, controlled by your spirit who indwells each and every believer. We cannot be what we were. We've been made new. And we give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Sound Words, a ministry of Indian Hills Community Church. Make sure to download our app from iTunes or Google Play for more messages like the one you just heard. If you would like to contact us, please email soundwords at or give us a call at 402 483 Four five four one.